All right, folks, we're going to look at two different passages of Scripture today. Uh, I, first of all, I want you to go to uh, Zechariah, the Old Testament book. Zechariah, it's one of the 12 that we don't normally read, but Zechariah chapter 14. And then we're going to look at Revelation chapter 19, which is the last book of the Bible. So we are starting to wind down with our series, and we're talking about the coming storm. And today we're going to talk about the storm. We're going to talk about the reality of Jesus coming back and setting up his kingdom. We're going to talk about the coming kingdom. And, and I think this is very, very important because today you'll hear, and throughout history you'll have, if you realize this, there have been people who have come and said that Jesus Christ has come back. Jesus Christ has come back. It happens every once in a while. There'll be a group of people who will predict when Jesus will come back. And the problem is that he doesn't come back when they think he will. So they have to have an explanation for it. So I think of one group happened in Connecticut, I believe, back in the early 19th century in the 1800s. Uh, they were so convinced from their study of the scripture that Jesus Christ was coming back on a certain night. They all went up on a hill dressed in white robes, uh, waiting for Jesus to come back. What came was a lightning storm, but Jesus didn't come back. So they had to come up with a concept of, well, where was he? Why didn't he come back? Well, they decided then that Jesus came back spiritually. That's just one group. There are other groups that believe that Jesus came back. One group in particular believes that Jesus came back in A.D. 70, that everything's already taken place because he came back in A.D. 70. And what happened in A.D. 70? That's when Jerusalem was destroyed. The problem is you have to overlook a lot of different things in the Scripture. And you have to really overlook that there are a lot of other things that are taking place and a lot of reasons why they're taking place. And so what we're going to talk about today is this coming kingdom. And we're going to look at a couple of different passages. We're going to look in Zechariah to give us a perspective. We're going to look at Revelation to talk about it. But the problem is I find today that we're, we're kind of setting ourselves up today in North American Christianity. Because there's such a prevalence of biblical illiteracy out there, you're open for anybody to come and say anything to you if they just show you from the Bible what it says. There, there's kind of a short-sightedness that's going on with folks today. And I've got a couple points I want to make here. So first of all, it's easy to only see the second coming in terms of setting things right. Usually when I hear people talk about Jesus Christ coming back, their, their whole concept of why Jesus Christ is coming back is to set things right here now. Period. Jesus Christ, come back, make America great again. Jesus Christ, come back, set the world in order. Jesus Christ, come back, and all these problems will cease. Jesus Christ, come back, and that's what they're thinking. They only think in terms of setting things right. Now, the problem is, can I be honest with you folks? I don't think most of us really have a clue. Because when Jesus Christ comes back, your life isn't going to stay the same. Period. Because when he comes back, 
you're going, things are going to change. Now, I already told you you're not going to be here because of the rapture. So we're, I'm not worried about that. But what I want you to understand, the way life is that you're comfortable with isn't going to stay the same. In fact, think about it for a moment. The, the way life is that we want to go back to wasn't perfect then either. Did you understand what I'm saying? So I'm going to be 58 this next week, okay? I'm going to be 58 young, all right? So, so as I think about my life, I think about being born in the 60s, child of the 70s, high school years going into the early 80s, the 90s, 2000s, 2010, 2020s. Here we are, and, and people say, we need to go back to the way it was. First of all, what year? What year do you want to go back to? Seriously, that was perfect. Because I'm going to tell you, in all of my conscious living of being able to understand something, every generation that I've lived through, through the 70s, through the 80s, and so forth, I have always heard somebody complaining about how our, our society is going to hell in a handbasket and things need to change because Jesus is coming back. Did you understand what I'm saying? So it wasn't perfect in the 70s. As much as I liked the 80s, it wasn't perfect in the 80s. Better music, okay? But the, the reality is, what are you talking about? Because if Jesus came back in the 70s, he came back in the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, 2010s, even now, I'm going to tell you something, it's going to change. Because that which he doesn't like is going to end. And let's be honest, there's things in our life that he doesn't like, right? So first of all, we've got, we've got to quit seeing it only in terms of setting things right. We, we also have this tendency when we talk about the second coming, because we're, again, short-sighted. We only think about it in terms of right around us. For, so for us, it's Kerwinsville, Clearfield, Clearfield County, Pennsylvania, United States. We only think in terms of what's happening around us. We, we lose sight of something even bigger. And here's what I want you to see, is we tend to overlook the reality that God is accomplishing so much more. So when you and I talk about the second coming, it's not just for him to come and set things right and all the evildoers now have to pay and so forth. I'm telling you, there's a reason why it's happening. There's something he wants to accomplish. And it goes back thousands of years to a promise and what he's trying to accomplish. And we're going to see that today. And that has implications for you and I. You and I, more than just Jesus coming back, it has implications for you today. We'll talk about that at the end, okay? So let's look at it together. So first of all, we're going to get a bigger picture of what's going on here. Why the second coming? So let's go to Zechariah. We're going to look at the first three verses of a vision that Zechariah had. And he has a vision of Jerusalem in the end. He has a vision of something that's coming and why it's coming. So I want you to notice with me. Here's what Zechariah writes. Behold, the day is coming for the Lord 
when spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken. And the city shall be taken, and the houses plundered, and the women raped. Half the city shall go out into exile, but the rest of the people shall be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations, as when he fights on the day of battle. Just look with me at verse 4 as well. On that day, his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the Mount shall move forward northward and the other half southward. All right, so what's going on here? Here's the bigger picture. All right, so we already know that in the end, it's going to be the Armageddon, and there's going to be nations. Well, here's what I want you to see. Zechariah brings it out. The nations of the world will gather against Israel. I'm going to tell you right now, the second coming doesn't have anything to do with your culture getting right. The second coming doesn't have anything to do with your concept of whatever being right as far as where we live right now. The second coming has to do, are you ready for this, with one group of people only, Israel. Bottom line, that's the issue here. So now do you understand why we keep seeing them in the news? Now do you understand why when you see what's going on, because you can shake your head and you're like, man, they got attacked and so many of them got killed and now they responded. I can't believe how people are responding to them, responding to the attack. I can't believe that people are that fickle and they change overnight and so forth. I'm telling you there's a reason why, because it's all moving towards a crescendo that's coming when the nations of this world will gather against those people. Do you understand what I'm saying? When the nations will gather, and they'll think they're doing the right thing. They'll think that they're eliminating a problem. The nations of the world will gather against Israel. Now, here's the problem I want you to see here. Israel will suffer defeat. Zechariah makes it very clear here. Israel will suffer defeat and will almost be wiped out for good. You know, when I read this passage when we were going through Minor Prophets in our Sunday school time, I was, I'll be honest with you, I was actually shocked. I was shocked by the brutality that was being expressed here. Because I guess I didn't truly understand that they were going to be defeated. I just kind of thought it would never even get to that point. No, no, it's very clear. The prophet is saying they're going to be destroyed. They're going to be defeated. Half of them are going to be taken away into exile. The women are going to be raped. They're going to be plundered. I mean, just even reading that, I, I don't read scriptures very often that talk about women being raped. It's right there. You've got to understand the bigger picture of what's going on here. The whole reason, can I tell you the reason why he comes back? Because he's faithful to his promises. 
Did you understand what I'm saying? The whole reason for the second coming of Christ is because he's doing something, moving Israel to a point where it once again recognizes the one whom they pierced. Zechariah talks about that earlier, about them weeping when they recognize the one whom they pierced. Now, who have they pierced, folks? Jesus. And so the reality is, is it's going to come a time when that Israel is almost destroyed and he comes back. He comes back to fight for them. Why? Because he said he would take care of them. Do you understand? The second coming has to do with Israel. And yes, he sets everything else right. Yes. But it's because he's bringing a group of people to what? Faith. Faith. Because right now, they don't believe. Right now, they reject Paul says right now there are enemies, but they're blessed because they're chosen. He makes that point very clear in Romans 11. So we get the bigger picture, okay? We get the bigger picture. Then, see, when we understand the bigger picture, then when we come to chapter 19 where, where John in his revelation talks about the deliverance, we get introduced to the deliverer. We get introduced to the one who is going to deliver here. And here's what I want you to see. Look with me at chapter 19, verses 11 through 21. Look at what John writes in the vision that he sees. Then... I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes like flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, a sharp sword, with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead. Come gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders and the flesh of men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who is in its presence, who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast 
and those who worshipped its image. And these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds were gorged with their flesh. All right, let's take a look here, folks. This is the deliverer. Here's the first thing I want you to understand. And this is very, very important. The Lord himself will return bodily with his saints when he delivers Israel. Now, that key word there, if you want to underline it, if you write it down, the bodily, you need to make note of that. I, I want you to understand, when we talk about Jesus Christ coming back, he's not coming back in some spiritual sense. He's coming back bodily. He's coming back, the very presence of Jesus is coming back, period. Now, why can you say that, George? Why can't it be spiritual? Because if you understand the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah coming and him setting up his kingdom, he's not coming back as a spirit to do it. It's a literal figure who's going to come back and rule with a rod of iron. Jesus Christ is going to come back physically, and he's going to defeat the armies of this world. Do you understand? That hasn't taken place at this point. Nowhere in history do you record anything like what we just described here. A great king coming back and with the word of his mouth defeating the armies that were gathered against Israel. Do you understand? We don't see that. He's coming back bodily. You've got to understand, when he comes back, he's literally coming back. Period. That's the reality. And here's what I want you to see. He will defeat the armies of the world with the word of his mouth. It ain't going to be a big fight. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, it is going to be like whose army's better, who's got a bigger army. In fact, he comes with a huge army. But the reality is, listen to me, that army isn't going to have to fight because he's going to speak the word and that's it. Do you understand what I'm saying? With the sword that comes out of his mouth, the sword is the word of God. The word of God will come out of his mouth and that's it. It will be over. Do you understand? When he comes back, he defeats them. No fighting whatsoever. This is the reality. He'll defeat the armies of this world with the word of his mouth. Here's the second thing, the third thing I want you to see. The Antichrist, oh, by the way, before I give you that, let me just kind of make the point. You do realize you're going to be there, right? Well, I thought we we're taken away in the rapture, George. I, I didn't. What do you mean we're going to be there? No, no, you're going to be there. But you're going to be riding with him. How's your horse, horsemanship? Some of you have horses. I know you're good at that. The rest of us will learn, get a quick lesson, I'm sure. But the reality is, is you're going to be riding with him. We are the saints, right? We're going to be with him. We will be with him. The saints from all the ages will ride with him to victory led by the one who's on the white horse. You're going to be with him. Now, here's what happened. The armies of this world are destroyed. Here's my third point. The Antichrist and the false prophet will be captured and cast into the lake of fire. 
So this false messiah with this false prophet that deceives the world, who's making war against Israel, who even defeats Israel, he's going to be captured. And there's not even going to be, I mean, it's not even going to be, it's going to be instantaneous. He's going to be instantly cast into the lake of fire, period, bottom line. The rest of the world has to stand before the judgment throne. These two guys, they're not even going to have that chance. They're just going to go immediately there. That's the finality of it. So then what happens, George? Well, here's the point I want you to see. With Jesus' complete victory, the promised kingdom will be restored to Israel. See, this is what it's about, guys. Remember I told you we got to get the bigger picture? The bigger picture is this is the story of Israel and the God who chose them and the Messiah who would redeem them. He also redeemed us, but he's going to redeem them in the end because in the end, they will come to the point of desperation for God to deliver them because no one else will deliver them. And then they'll recognize the one whom they pierced. They'll be saved. And then that's it. All the promises will be fulfilled. What do you mean the promises? The land promises. You know, I think it's interesting when you listen to the news, the chant that's being chanted by those who want to wipe out Israel is from the river to the sea. Uh, did you understand? That's really what it's about, isn't it? It's about that chunk of land. Now, what do you mean that chunk of land? Why is that so important? Because it's that chunk of land that somebody by the name of Abraham was promised. Remember in Genesis? Look to the north, look to the south, look to the... As far as you can see, I will give you what? This land. Can, can I be honest with you? The land that they were promised from the River Nile up to the River Euphrates, they have never had that land that was promised. But God's going to fulfill those promises. God fulfills promises. You need to understand that. He fulfills promises. He fulfills his work. And everything he said he would do, he's going to do. Now, here's the blessed thing for you and I. When we got saved, you just didn't get forgiveness. You just didn't get an eternal relationship. You got an inheritance. What inheritance? Israel's inheritance. You and I share in that inheritance. Do you understand? So with his complete victory, the promised kingdom will be restored. And he'll rule for a thousand years. And we'll talk about that next week. But right now, I want to talk about the implications of this issue of the second coming for you and I right now. Here's the first one. First one is a general one, and then I'm going to give you a specific one. All right? Here's the first one. The general one is this. The world's future is tied to one group of people, and you need to recognize that. I mean, I, I, can, I can understand, I, you know, I get up in the morning, every morning, and I go to, on, on the weekdays, I go to the Y for my exercise, and, 
and I listen to news. I listen to some podcasts that that uh, world news and so forth. I like to keep going. And after a while, you know, I, I just kind of like get tired of hearing about Israel. So I hit the 30-second forward on the, on the screen to get it to move forward because I already know what's going on. I, I, I'm just overwhelmed by it. I just don't want to hear anymore. And so we kind of get sick of hearing about it, but it's there, right? But so let me just kind of tell you the reason why it's there, like why? Let me, that little bit of piece of ground there, why, why is that in the news? Okay, I can understand what's going on over in Ukraine and Russia right now. I can understand Taiwan and, and in China. I can understand all that stuff because that has implications, global stuff. But, but that little piece of ground there, I, I don't understand what's going on. Here's, I'm trying to help you to understand. Here's the general thing. The world is tied to that nation, to that hunk of property. Why? Because he made them a promise long ago. And he will see it through. And that's what the return is about. Okay, I got the general part, George. What does that mean for me? Well, can I be honest with you when we talk about this? Forget Israel. Forget you. But I want you to think about the God who saved us. What do you mean? When I look at this, he doesn't give up on people. Do you understand? That's the point I want you to see. All right, so can you, can you agree with me that right now when you talk about this, this one group of people, are, are they really living for the Lord right now? No, no, not at all. Are, are they rebelling against them? Man, that's been their history of rebellion, right? But he has remained faithful to them for thousands of years. Did, did not, by the way, have you met a Hittite lately? Or a Hivite or a Jezebite? How many of you have met any Ammonites? Have you met anybody? Do you know of anybody like that? You have probably have met a Jew sometime in your life, right? Or seen one, right? I mean, seriously, all the, of all the people groups of the ancient world that we read there, do you know any of them? There's still one group here. Why are they still here? Because there's a plan. Now, what does that mean? It tells you, for you and I, he doesn't give up on us. When he makes a promise, he is faithful. Isn't that interesting? That's the name that is on the one who comes on the white horse, right? He's called what? Faithful and true. God is faithful. And even when we don't do right, he, he allows us to go through the things we go through, what, to get us back to where we recognize him again. Because why? We belong to him. And he's faithful. This is the implication. So when I read in the second coming, I recognize that it's not just him coming back to set things all right. It's not just him coming to set back, set a people right again that need to be made right again. It's because he's faithful to his word. 
so I can rest easy. Why? Because of the ultimate issue for you and I is our salvation. It's not based on me, it's based on him, right? How do I know that? Because he said that, right? For by faith you are saved. What? By grace. For by grace are you saved. Not of works, lest anyone should what? Boast. So when I look at the, the second coming, I realize it has to be. Because God is faithful. He's faithful to you, and he will be faithful to a group called Israel. That's why it's coming, folks. And yes, he'll set everything else right, but it ain't going to be the way you think it is. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because everything will be right. Because King Jesus will be ruling. Let me pray for you.